0: your host, Nick Smith, and as always, we are brought to you via Geek Vibes Nation. Joining me tonight is Luke Alves. What up, Luke? Not much, man. Uh, You know, kind of feeling a
1: little bit better about my uh, Celtics
0: um, after a 2 games touched, but
1: hey, watch us come out in L.A. and somehow play that one to the wire and
0: lose (laughs) possibly
1: on another fluke. Tip ball, tip ball. Here comes Rondo Magic.
0: So that's that'd be picture yeah. perfect right there for what the Celtics have been going through. Yeah, it, w- it would be, man. If there's one thing about the Celtics, they really like play to their competition more than any team in the league, um, and it's so fucking weird. Um, but hey, I, I was looking at something earlier though. Um, the Celtics uh as as far as like point differential on the season have the third best point differential game to game um like uh points scored versus uh points given up um so in and, and that's league wide that's not in the east they're second in the east um the only teams that they trail uh league wide are the the um Bucks and Warriors. So like I mean uh, you take that for what you will whatever that means i mean I, I i know that can mean like you're 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 blowing out opponents and the games you lose are close but like losing close games um obviously you want to win those games but like nevertheless like it's still like that's that's an important stat um the fact that they are still third in point differential um i think is big uh and 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 should be focused on more than it is uh but anyway um I, I, but wait but real quick before we get into the, the, the show though, um I do want to ask you this. Uh the the Sixers obviously they they're without Joel Embiid right now and they they like won some games but lost some games. Um they, they almost won that game against um, uh Golden State uh without clay. Um but they inevitably, you know, fucking pull the Classic Sixers move and, and just could not score in the fourth quarter and, and just um, gave up like a 14-point lead and ended up losing a close game. Um, Indiana keeps winning um, despite being without Victor Oladipo. Um, they're one game ahead of the Sixers. Um, it looks like the Celtics are kind of firmly planted in that fifth seed. Um, I don't think they're going to win enough games to, to move up to four. They, they, I mean, they could – would you know given Philly? Um, but I, I doubt it. Uh, I think there's three games behind Philly right now. Um, but who would you rather play in the first round? Would you rather play Philly because that win would mean so much as far as like just like if, if you if you beat Indy, it doesn't really mean anything, but if you beat Philly, like that could mean a lot more as to keeping Kyrie and keeping this whole unit together. and, and confidence moving forward. If you beat Indy, it's not that big, but obviously you would be heavily favored to beat Indy, Um, maybe not as much to beat Philly, but Boston's got Philly's number. So, like, just as as a Celtics fan, who would you rather play in the first round, Philly or Indy?
1: Um, As a Celtics fan, I'd rather play Philly just because I know what we can do against them. We've matched up against them really well. Uh, even when Embiid's healthy, uh, Horford's really seems like, <laughs> to play to, like, really shut him down and gets into, like, yeah. Horford, like, just, like, Superman zone-like mode, like, just knows exactly how to, like, shut down Joel Embiid, which is really, like, you know, not a lot of people are good at that. So, um, and just... Every time we play the Pacers this year, I mean, even though it's different game to game, every time it's just, they just pick us apart. They have a lot of bigs that Horford, it's just not one big that Horford can focus on. It's it's multiple and Turner and, um, man, I'm going to forget his name right now. Sabonis. Sabonis, yeah. So it's just, it's a different, like, even though that they don't have Victor goals, they still have a good team.
0: And yeah. Um, and Evans has as, stepped up in that Oladipo role.
1: Yeah, and and as a Celtics fan, you know, I mean I, I just i r I, I'd like to just go ahead and get the Sixers win, but I mean NBA all around would hate for that matchup and they'd rather see it in the next uh, round
0: and not have a Celtics. But here's the thing. First round. But here's the thing. I don't think if we don't get it in the first round, I don't think we're gonna get it at all. Because for that to happen, Boston and Philly would have to beat Toronto and Milwaukee and I just don't think that's going to happen. Like I think I mean the odds are one of those teams loses to the other. Right? So, you know, like I I, I would favor Philly over Toronto more so than I would favor Boston over um, Milwaukee. Um, Granted, it could happen, and that could be like your Eastern Conference Finals, could be Philly and and Boston. Um, But I think it's less likely to happen um, than to happen. Uh, And so I I guess what I'm saying is I kind of like – as much as I thought I didn't want to see that first-round matchup, I kind of do. Like, just so we get to see it. Like, Philly-Boston is, like, one of the best Eastern Conference rivals that there is. And, like, I I think it would be huge one way or the other. Like, I think if, like, first of all, if Boston loses to Philly in the first round, Kyrie is gone. Like, it's a fucking done deal, right? Um, And if Philly... Loses to Boston in the first round, they could potentially lose both Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris like the narrative is so fucking big like it's huge uh for what that that first round series would mean for both teams um, and of course, like Boston has that edge has that advantage I mean Brad Stevens runs circles around Brett Brown first of all um, and 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 just secondly. Uh, Dude, like if if you lose in the first round if you're either one of those teams, like that is just a, a like, gut punch, devastating season. Um like that that is like your probably your worst possible outcome because both of those teams we knew were gonna make the playoffs. If you lose in the first round, that's gonna be terrible. So like the 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 uh dynamics of it all, I think would make for a really exciting first-round series um, that we're not looking at getting in the East. we got a couple in the West that are going to be exciting, but that would be the only exciting first-round series in the East. Um, So, no, I'm kind of rooting for it now. Like, I think it would be – dude, it would be a lot of fun, and, of course, you and I are going to have a lot of back-and-forth going on uh, if that happens. (laughs) And – Chances are, I'm probably going to be devastated at the end of it if history uh, <laughs> repeats itself. But um, no, like I, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Um, but anyway, let's uh, let's jump into the topics. Uh, let's start off with this. Um, we had a discussion yesterday, I think, um, and and Jawan kind of sparked the discussion uh, by just kind of casually saying that he still thinks Boston's going to come out of the East because, um, you know, they have the best coach. And um, I forget what else he said, but that, that was the thing that, you know, stood out to me. Um, so, of course, I jumped on and I was like, I don't think so. I think but the best coach in the East. And so that started a discussion, of course, amongst both you and me. Um, obviously you being a, uh, a Celtics fan, um, I feel like you had to kind of defend your guy's honor, um, which makes sense. Uh, but I think it's interesting. So, um, so I, I wanted us to have this discussion on air for our viewers, um, why we think, uh, why you think Brad Stevens is still the, not, and let me, let me take a step back here. We're not talking about who is coach of the year. Um, like that, This is not this discussion. Um, this is just who we think is the best coach, who has built a resume, um, who is just the best coach overall. Um, so it's not a coach of the year argument because that would be obvious. Um, but just who's the best coach um, and who has proven to be the best coach. Um, so I'm going to take uh, Budenholzer. Um Obviously, you got your boy Brad Stevens. Uh, let me run off some numbers uh, just real quick uh, before we jump into this. Um, so, uh, Budenholzer, uh, he's won three playoff series. Uh, he's uh, has a forty three point six percent winning percentage in the playoffs. Uh, as far as regular season, um, he has won two hundred sixty one games in his six seasons. Uh, That's a 55.1% winning percentage. Uh, He has a Coach of the Year award uh, for that 60-win Hawks team, Um, and he has four Eastern Conference Coach of the Month awards. Um, Brad Stevens uh, has a uh, slightly better uh, playoff um, uh, record of 46.8% winning percentage, and he has won four series. Uh, He has five games, uh, five wins uh, ahead of uh, uh, Bud uh, in that regard. Um, As far as the regular season, he's 261 uh, win total, uh, a percentage of 54.8, so just shy of Bud's 55.1. I mean, those are like neck and neck uh, as far as, you know, regular season. Um, He... Has yet to win a Coach of the Year award, though. I mean, I think most people, I guess not most people, because, I mean, he didn't win it last year, but I think everybody on this panel thought he should have won it last year despite Dwayne Casey uh, winning the award and then subsequently getting fired. (laughs) Um, But he did not win it. Um, But he does have uh, three... uh, um, uh, Eastern Conference Coach of the Month awards uh, throughout his career. Um, so, like, they're they're neck and neck. They both coached six seasons, uh, and, and so that's kind of the the layout of how their record stands. Why do you think that Brad Stevens is the better coach than...
1: Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to first off start by saying what I said. Like, two different scenarios where they're coming from. So you got to, like, Look at, like, the background first. So, Coach Bud's coming from a really good system in the Spurs. He's learning from the best. He's sitting, like, he's learning an organization, how it's supposed to be run and everything, and he's learning from a great coach. So, he's got a lot of tools to work with with there. So, I'm just going to start out, like, you got to work that into to, like, one with, like, more Brad. So, so, Brad comes from college, so he's not really ever had that, like, NBA experience, you know, a lot of coaches flake out that go college to pro and all that. And you look at them, so if you look at their their six seasons come up flip-flop-like, as you're saying, like Steven starts off in a rebuild and then he goes on. And then when you get Bud, who's jumping into a team that's about to hit their side with their, their guy that they've they've drafted in Horford, who's been an all-star for them and sure. he's going to hit his pod. And then they they've just signed Millsap, Paul Millsap, who also is kind of hitting his prime, and they're figuring yeah. it out, so they've got two like all stars to work with, so you got those scenarios but and then he goes from that team to going into a rebuild his last year so since then it's it's two different things but here's here's my big thing, and all, all that so one thing that stands yeah. out for me and, and 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 you watch your team a lot, and I watch my team a lot, but I We both can, I think, hopefully agree with this. Is I don't think no one's better right now, I mean, but well, between these two head-to-head, than writing a play out of bounds, like drawing up a play late game. Than Brad yeah. Would- I mean, he's proven it time in and time out again. And that's a really good thing to, like, be as a coach. Like, forget your systems and forget everything, like, you can do. If you can really draw a play – up in like the final minutes, and like this is what you want, you know, you've already figured it out. You're, you know, what the defense. I mean, perfect example last year when Horford when we were playing the Sixers, and they just dropped that play where it just it made the Sixers <sighs> so dumb. How wide <laughs> that was the we worst. Flipped in turn, and we got Horford that wide open. Like, it was ah. just like it's beautiful, and you're just like wow. Like Brad Stevens, you knew exactly. You were such a good coach right there that you out like you knew what your your opponent was going to do. Wait, wait, okay. Brown.
0: Okay, but let's 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 hold on, like, uh, just for a second. Um, number one, is this uh, you're trying to tell me like Brad Stevens is better at drawing up plays than Luke Walton? Like, come on, bro. Okay, poor sense of humor. Um, but uh, the second, um, like Brad Stevens like running circles around Brett Brown is is like obvious like that's the poor man's uh, uh pop disciple so um so i i don't know like but i will give you this i do think um Brad Stevens uh is um it, i i don't think you can argue that anybody's better than him at drawing up plays uh like like plays uh important plays at the end of games. Um I think he is one of several who are really fucking good at it. Um and I think you can absolutely make the argument that he is the best at it. I don't necessarily think that. I feel like it's hard to um put him over a, a there's a few guys who I would throw in there. Um but yes, I will I will give you that. He is in the conversation for the best, if not the best.
1: Okay, so we got the check right there. So that's it's just going to put one in the in the box. So we're gonna look at an, a, a couple other things too. <laughs> I like so. how you did that. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to the playoffs, so you know how we we've said all the things. So what you got to look at really playoffs is how the game, like the, the opponent's game, like what, what he's running at you and all that. And if you look at it till the trail end, uh, Bud could never figure out what LeBron, like I, Like there was no coach over there, Lou was not doing anything, he could never figure out what LeBron and the Cavs are doing. I mean, I'm pretty sure you guys' this head-to-head record against the Cavs is you might have a one-win or two. And the rest, you got you're, swept you, one time. I this, know.
0: This is but, but, a but, 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 conversation. Hey, I'm going to challenge this but, one. Hey. Like, I'll give you but, the uh, other you one. But
1: to... You can challenge it. You can challenge it, but just hear me out. So, so you got to okay. think he's had a couple of playoff series with them. And, you know, you guys had your team, you know, 60 win team. That's the really good one, too, that, like, you're yeah. in But they came in and just, and so you got to look at that. Where you have Stevens where we did the first year, hey, we, did, we got swept. I'm not going to even lie there, so i'm I' even yeah we, I'm pretty sure we got swept the first time we said
0: we're
1: going to the next year, and you have not only you gone through a crazy season where you just lost two of your top players, but the whole time you're just being doubted I mean you went toe to toe with Milwaukee, which if Milwaukee had a coach they they should have beat us, but they don't have a coach, so that that's what works against them now, Bud's in that situation, right. last year, I mean we're We're going to be talking a whole different story, but, you know, Bud wasn't there. So, but, you know, you have Stevens who, who, who definitely, you know, takes care of the Sixers, but now he's going against the Cavs. And, I mean, really took, I mean, towards the end, I'll give you, he didn't have, but you could tell, like, game to game, he, he had a, a, a scheme that he was going to run with this team, that that's how we're going to match with LeBron and these, and these guys without any superstar right now. And we're going to need something out of you. So, that's why I kind of want to give the edge right there. It's just like if you're going to look at, like, the playoffs and all that. So, you look at the final picture, and it was always the Cavs. And forget all the other teams, What like, what you play. Like, the Cavs, they're in their prime because, you know, Celtics played them and the Hawks played them at, like, two different points. Like, if you look at it, like, the beginning two years with the LeBron and the man two years. So, you had them at, you had them at a different team. You had them at a, a harder and healthier team. But I just Hell think, yeah. Like,
0: they had Kyrie fucking Irving at that at, when we had to play him. Like but, hey, and LeBron was I mean, like two years younger. Like that's a big fucking difference, bro. We
1: we had Kyrie one year too, and they just oh man, that year that he's a man about But but again, I'm just done. Yeah. Like Stevens has a slight edge that you gotta give Stevens a slight edge that he definitely figured out the next year after he played him, so if you go two years in a row, I mean Bud didn't figure that much out, so yeah always but, like,
0: We were there. We... Against last year's Cavs team. Like, last year's Cavs team was, like, not good. They just weren't good. Like, LeBron willed them to the fucking finals. Like, they, they should have lost in the fucking uh, first round. <laughs> like, like, Indy was a better team than them. It's just LeBron wouldn't let them lose. And, of course, we all know, like, LeBron owns, like, rents space out in Toronto's head um, so like you know that is what it is but like last year's Cavs team was not anything close to any of the previous year's Cavs teams um, like they, 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 like so to argue that because you know Bud got swept by the Cavs and that you know Stevens took them seven games uh, you're dealing with two crazy different Cavs teams um, and not just not just not having Kyrie and LeBron being two years older, but like J.R. Smith being two years older, Tristan Thompson being a shell of what he used to be. Um, fucking uh, uh, not having Matthew Della um is huge because he was great for them. He was great off the bench for them. Um, there, there's just so many um, caveats of how that team trended downward since LeBron like signed there. Um, and it, it just it, – it, it's not a comparison to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, but did Kyrie injure his knee that one year against you guys in the finals because he didn't play against Golden State, or did he do that in the finals?
0: Right. No, he, but he I'm played – I'm pretty sure he, he got played injured three, against you guys he, played, he got injured against us, but he did play, I, I want to say, three out of the four games. Here, I'll look it up, um, but continue with your argument, and I'll look it up.
1: Okay, but, but what I'm trying to get to is like, there's such good coaches that you gotta like, you gotta nitpick at these things. So that's what I'm nitpicking at right now. They really are like, same as, so here's another thing that I'm gonna kind of like go with Steven's that player development. So you're looking back at this scenario. So Bud jumped into a, a team that has, you know, they, they already have good players and all that. I mean, you're getting know, you Corver in his shooting prime team time and all that. So he's got a formidable team to get a middle staff and all that. So he's not really having to develop players and all that. Well, When he gets a person that he can kind of draft, and, uh did Bazemore or sort of get uh, drafted? Who got drafted first? I want to say right? Do what now? I yeah, think Bazemore got
0: drafted first before Dennis, right? Dennis. Uh, Bazemore wasn't drafted by us. Um, but he was uh, – yeah, we signed – I think he was drafted by, like, the Lakers. Um, but, yeah, Dennis – Dennis, uh, he was dra- – I'm pretty sure he was drafted – yeah, he was definitely drafted before Dennis was, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, he's,
1: he's still getting, like, some, like, decent players. So, it's like, you never really got to see any of his player development and all that. And even with those guys, I mean, you look at when they – uh they leave even baseball right now. I mean, minus the, uh, what hurts Bud, too, is he was balancing two things, and I want to hold, like, him being the president against them, like that, that hurt his coaching abilities because he didn't really understand what he's doing, signing these weird contracts like baseball, and now you look at baseball and, like, he wants them. Hey, okay. To, like,
0: hey, I, I will take no. objection to that simply because in 2016, everybody was signing fucking shitty contracts, and uh, out of all of those shitty contracts, Bazemore is probably, like, at the bottom of that, like, totem pole of shitty contracts. It's not nearly on the level of, like, you know, Mozgov or fucking Luol Deng or, you know, Alan Crabb or any of those other fucking contracts. Um, so, like, yeah, it was it was not a smart move. We should have probably just let him walk and then... Um, looked at re signing uh, Hardaway uh, the following season. Um, but, uh, you know, hindsight being 2020, that's a lot easier to say. Um, but at, at the time, um, we even convinced Basemore to leave money on the table um, to sign, you know, with Atlanta instead of going to the Lakers because that was the thing. Like, he could have, the Lakers offered him a fucking max contract <laughs> um, and he turned it down to, to stay in Atlanta. Um, on a slightly discounted contract, um, so like, yeah, I I do agree it was a bad deal. Obviously, um, but, wait minute, I'm, but like, I'm, I'm gonna draw I'm gonna draw my point though,
1: too. So like, you, okay, the player development thing is like, you have people that like more like you kind of like let him go downhill from there. Like you could have developed him. dude, kind of did his own thing. When like you had all stars, so you didn't have to develop them. But when he really got down to you know, hey, we're gonna go through a rebuilding. He, well, I mean, he elected that he probably didn't want to do it, but it's just like you don't have that in like Bud, like like you can't look at it as a coaching thing. Like even right now with this current team, he's not really like having to show like any player development. What he's doing for a team, like he just came into a really good team and was like, hey, you know, I'm I'm pretty smart, and we can run a good scheme, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a perfect team around you. You're not really seeing player development when Stevens is the opposite where he comes into a, a rebuilding team. We're terrible the first year, but, like, rather than that, we're we're competing where we do two games above four, uh, 500 or we're two games b- below it. It was like we were right there, so he had a good second season. To get He's getting people to, like, you see, like, the Evan Turner people, like, we didn't sign – they didn't re-sign Evan Turner, but, like, he looked good in our system, like, because you saw a player development – out of, like, I haven't turned like, turn around and all that, but, like, even our young guys, you've been seeing this, like, Rozier, all that, like, you can go to Brown, Tatum, too. I mean, but Tatum's just another thing. But, like, you see player development, Marcus Smart and all that. Like, you've seen what Brad's been able to do with just, like, you know, these guys when, yeah, I'll give you right now, he's not been doing the best with superstars. So you can give, like, who's better coaching out of, like, a, but Superstar is a, a lot different because there's a lot more ego you going I into. Present it. Them, you fucking asshole. Hey. I gotta stand on I gotta stand on my point though. So so egos are two different things, but if you really look at it, what a coach should be doing is developing players too as well. And I gotta give Stevens that, that checkpoint too. I mean, just says he's developed a lot more players, made them really good. I mean he Isaiah Thomas, you could say maybe could have figured it out, but really wouldn't have figured out how really good he Oh, no, it was being all about without that system. Being, it was all about Brad and that system. So I'm just trying to say, yes, it's like, Brad makes people to where he could have been. He could have gotten a Brinks truck if he didn't run into his hip and made, like, you know, like, made a guy into a superstar. But so that's why I got I to go with the, the checkover soon, just because, you know, he, he's been able to develop people and all that, not walked into two great scenarios. And all that, and when he does have the option, you guys were not that great last year. Where you were young, and he could try to like develop some kids and all that. You didn't really see that. You weren't that. great in I your mean,
0: first se- He wasn't great in his first season either. So like he can't like again like I think that's a flawed argument.
1: But it's not that flawed. I mean, it's just you got to look at the like what they've been able to do with player development, and Brad's just been able to develop a lot of guys into pretty
0: good people. Let's let's back up. Let's back up. I do think Brad's system was a big reason Isaiah Thomas was as successful as he was. But um, Isaiah Thomas was not a developed player. They didn't develop him. They incorporated him and his skill set into that lineup, and they did it fucking flawlessly. Um, So, like, to, to say they developed him... Is, is, or brad developed him is is not true like the, the okay, so let's look at the players that brad's developed um let's look at let's say uh tatum most recently um uh brown uh obviously Rogier. um and i mean who else would you throw into that maybe smart oh most smart? smart oh definitely smart not yeah. yeah, definitely smart, like he's been there six years, smart's only been there like five, so like smart. Um, anybody else that you would throw into that as far as, like, they drafted while he was there um, and developed who's turned out to be, like, really good? I think those are, like, the four standouts, if you will, right?
1: No, yeah, those are the four. I'm not going to count the R.J. Hunters and
0: the uh, other flakeouts that we have. (laughs) Well, but see, like, again, like, those are just, like, bad draft picks. Like, those are, or, you know, like, failed NBA players, and there's nothing you can do about those. But, like, yes, so, like, let's take those four. Um so the like obviously Atlanta was in a very different position. They didn't have the luxury of having a um bevy of Nets picks coming in uh to, to retool uh when um when Bud took over. Um but he developed Prince very well. Prince came a a starting player in his rookie season and played really fucking well. He's dropped off since uh, Bud left. He's not played nearly as well this year, um, you know, since uh, uh, Lloyd Pierce has taken over. Um, he also uh, very much developed Dennis Schroeder. Uh, Schroeder was uh, 2013 draft, um, and I believe that was the year that Bud took over. Um, he utilized him very well in the playoffs. Uh, in in uh, his first season uh, as the backup point guard, and eventually he took over as the starting point guard. He played really well um, under Bud. Um, so, like, that's another player uh, that I think he developed very well. Um, he's definitely a starting caliber point guard. Um, I still think he needs to um, find a system that really works for him. I think he worked well really well in Bud system as we're seeing Eric Bledsoe uh, do the same. Um, I don't think he, – he obviously didn't work well last year, um, you know, mainly because we were tanking, uh, and I think he was just disinterested and didn't really give a fuck, um, which is one of the big reasons why the Hawks ended up trading him for little to nothing. Um but nevertheless, I still think he developed him well. Um, John Collins had a very good rookie outing, um, so he developed, uh, helped develop John Collins, uh, you know, very well uh, last season. Um, so I I think that you know your development factor is relying heavily on the fact that Stevens has had more people to develop. Um, he's had like more draft picks. Uh, he's had more chances of development. If we really broke down, like, the draft – the, like, viable draft picks that both teams have had, the Hawks just haven't had nearly as many, um, you know, under under uh, uh, Bud's tenure uh, than Steven's had uh, as the Celtics coach. So, like, if you're taking raw numbers, sure, like, the Celtics are going to have more. Um, but, like, I think for the players – uh that that you know they brought in. Uh I think Bud did a really good job with them and the fact that like, you know, he hasn't necessarily developed any young talent on this Bucks team this year. Um you know, the only player they had was Defenzo and they played him early. Um but I mean it just became like really prevalent very early on in the season that they were better suited Going with Brogdon at the two and Snell backing him up, then playing deep in Genzo—it just didn't make any sense to play him. Um, so, you know, I don't—I don't think that's necessarily the best argument. I think Christian Woods' play, um, you know, throughout the season, uh, it has been spotty, um, but I think that you know that that is. A, maybe a slightly better example because he's gotten a little more play than defensive. Um, but I mean, he's again, it's like a what number forty-four pick or something like that. Like he's late, much later. Not a not a cream of the crop pick by any means. Uh, so, like, I, I I I feel like you could again maybe slightly give the edge to Brad there because he's had more to play with but I don't think it's a heavy edge.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give him a heavy edge, but I'm also going to put that – I mean, I know you stand by Bazemore, but, like, I put Bazemore's failure of, of player development on Bud. I mean, he had him when he was pretty young, so he had a look at the Bazemore kind of thing, and he's gone down. Yeah, but Bazemore had his
0: best year last year under Bud, and he's, again, taking a step back this year, not under Bud. Know.
1: He's always just been downhill You've made from the game. Thirty
0: nine percent from three last year on a team that was tanking. Like he's like he was really efficient last year and played really well. Um and that was like part of why I thought we could maybe get a first round pick out of him if it was if we were to take back like a really bad contract in return. Um, but his play this year has just made that impossible as we saw. Um but no, I mean I, I don't put that on Bud. Like I mean I I I I think you got what you got out of base. I I would put on Bud that he gave him that contract. And again, you know, I've already qualified you know why he gave him that contract, but um but that's a different argument. That's a that's a front office argument. Um and if anything, I would say that again, like the fact that you know Brad Stevens has Danny Ainge making decisions in the front office only helps him. Uh, whereas, you know, Bud was having to make those decisions himself, which he's clearly not as good as Danny Ainge at.
1: Yeah, but I mean, Bud put himself in that spot, like wanting to be president. I mean, you got to put that. Oh, sure. Yeah. No,
0: you're absolutely. Uh, no, you're right.
1: But I mean, uh, we could go on and on for this. I mean, uh, do you want to get like do you want to say <laughs> a couple of your things? <laughs> I mean, we've...
0: I would I would I I I feel like I've interjected enough to get across most of my points. My biggest point would be um I Bud has absolutely like been the best coach in the Eastern Conference this season. Um and he's proving what he can do if you Give him a superstar talent. Um, He has never had a superstar talent. Um, You can say all you want about that 60-win team having four all-stars and what have you. Um, Kyle Korver um, is not all-star caliber, never was. Um, The East was, like, super weak that year. Um, So that's why he made it. That's why Jeff Teague made it. Um, and and a big reason why they made it was because the Hawks were just playing so well, um, and that was because of Bud's system, um, and 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 sharing the ball. Like, I don't know if you really remember this, but people were talking about them like for a long time as like the Spurs of the East. Like they were like exactly this is the Eastern Conference Spurs.
1: Sure, cut you off real quick. Yeah. He was- not that's not his system. He literally took pop system and brought it to the East. That's all he did. If you look at your 61 team, that is exactly the Spurs the last year he was with them when they were winning and really like putting the ball around. So it's like, it's not his system. He literally just took a coach's system and was like, I'm going to go to the terrible East and put it on a team right now with some people that are going to be good. And I'll make them look really
0: good because no one in the East runs this style. So, but you're you're only proving my point, honestly, Um, and that's you know like I like it's it's not as much that he took pop system, it's that he learned from pop, and he said this this is what I think works, and I'm going to take eighty percent of this and change twenty percent of it and implement it here. And yeah, you're absolutely right. That's what he did, and it worked, and he was able to get a team that had no star talent. Like, no, like, Millsap was our best player. Al Horford was our, like, you know, uh, like, uh, our 1B. Like, we had a 1A, 1B kind of system. Um, but neither neither of those guys are, like, superstar talents. Um, we just had, like, a really good team. Like, you know, we were basically like the Clippers this season. Like if you put the Clippers in the East this year, they're probably like the third or fourth seed, um, like playing this kind of schedule. Like it's basically what the Hawks were, but they were able to get sixty wins. Um, and like, dude, like they're just—that's what it was. And so I think my overall point being, now that he has Giannis, he is showing what he can do with it a superstar and being able to like basically say, this is what we're going to develop around this superstar talent. We're going like, to get all of these other guys involved, whether it be Bledsoe or uh, Middleton. Uh, obviously, I, John Horst is my GM of the year, um, and it's ridiculous to me that he's not getting more uh, praise for GM of the year, so um, again, shout-out to John Horth for all of his moves, um, bringing in Brooke Lopez and Ilyasova and everything else. Um, like but, like Utilizing all those players has been greatly beneficial, uh, obviously, to Bud. Now that he has those guys, he's able to do everything uh, that he wasn't able to do in Atlanta. Um, and I think the fact that he is able to manage, um, not only like manage the, 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 like to keep everybody happy, to get everybody their touches that they need, um, but also manage a talent like Giannis and make the team flow around him uh, is something that Brad has not been able to prove. Because, um, like, you can say what you want about Isaiah Thomas. Like and, and and like dude, Isaiah Thomas, like when he was fifth in M V P voting, he was fucking great. But nobody ever thought like he was an elite talent. They everybody said he's a fucking benefactor of that system. Um and you could use that to say, Hey, that's the points for Brad. But like my point is when you have an elite talent and Brad has that in Kyrie can't seem to figure out how to restructure his system in order to make that work. And, like, essentially, I know Giannis and and Kyrie are two different players and everything else. And maybe it's easier to structure a system around Kyrie. In in fact, it is easier to structure a system around Giannis than it is Kyrie. And I get that. Um, But, like, they'll have to just go off what we have seen and what they've been able to accomplish, and, you know, the, it is what it is. The The record shows what it is, and, uh, you know, Bud has been able to make the perfect system around Giannis, whereas, whereas Brad has had two years to, you know, make this system around Kyrie, get, either get Kyrie to buy in to your system, um, you know, because the thing is, he could get, if, if if he could get Kyrie to buy into his system that uh, Isaiah Thomas thrives so much on, he'd be golden. But he can't. He can't get him to buy into that. And that has, like, he, so he's constantly been trying to figure out how he can work Kyrie into it. And none of it has worked. Um, it, uh, at least it hasn't worked um, uh, consistently and I, I I think that is at least um, the fact that the first superstar that he's had, he's not been able to 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 make a system work around that superstar. Um, I think that to me is the biggest um, strike against Brad uh, that Bud. Uh, has excelled at. Um, so that, to me, is why I would lean toward Bud, um, though I think we, we again, can both agree it's a really, really close argument. Um, I'm going to throw it to you for any final words before we move on because we've already gone really Yeah, long. I'm going stop.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, we're going to call this a wrap, but here's two things against what I'm going to say against you, and it's going to go more Nebraska. thing. Brad can't, like, really, like, make people like each other. Like, he can't force people to like each other. Like, you can play basketball and, like, once you're on the court, you know, like, play and all that and all that. So, you can't hold that against him that, like, you can definitely tell that some people don't like each other on this team that this year. And it's, it's clearly obvious. So, you can't hold that against him that, yeah, he's doing a great job. Yeah, he's getting a happy team. And, and Giannis, and he's, a, he's a better guy. But also, too, into that point is, that you, uh, we play better with Kyrie on the floor. Like, we're statistically better with him on the floor. Even though, like, yes, our team does when he's not there. They do play better. I've seen that, that. But when we play, when Kyrie plays, we're a really good team. So he's worked his system perfectly fine with Kyrie in it and obviously without him in it, if we can make the argument that he's not doing a good job because we're a damn good team with Kyrie in our like He's good. He knows how to play the system. Yeah, he's not thriving like Isaiah, but Isaiah was a different scenario. He wasn't a superstar coming to a team and all that. He was becoming a superstar with the team and all that. When Kyrie, right. you know, he's he's it's an ego thing. So that's just it. You can't hold Brad accountable for like you can't force him to like lock them all in the room and be like figure your shit out and like each other. But like right. when they play yeah. on the court, they play well together. I mean, we are good with Kyrie, like, his system works with Kyrie. It's just, you can clearly tell people just don't
0: like each other, and that's what hurts us. Yeah, I I think Jalen Brown hates Kyrie. <laughs> um, and oh, 100%. That is, 100% does not y- like him. Yeah. No, they just doesn't get along. By the way, um, before we move on, um, I'm going to say over under 50%. No, I'll go lower than that because I I feel like it it should be lower. Um, I'll say 23% um, chance that the the young guns on uh, the Celtics are pulling a silent coup against Kyrie, my conspiracy theory, uh, are pulling a silent coup against Kyrie to get him to leave because they don't want him there because they want their own team and – um, they prefer playing with Terry Rozier, twenty three uh, percent over only, under. Only
1: only reason I'm gonna flaw, I'm gonna go way under. Just the only reason the flaw is like, yeah, maybe Rozier Brown and maybe Smart, but from what I'm told, uh, Tatum's like really like Kyrie's only good friend on that team. Like even uh, maybe yeah, the dude's background teams. brought him, yeah. but like Tatum, when uh, Tatum really is going with Kyrie, so that's the only reason I go under, just because. You're not gonna have Tatum in that one. He um from what I'm told he actually does get along like when I'm like what I hear is like he, he gets along with, with Tyree. So he's like Tyree's only like good friend on this team. So that's the only reason that I gotta go under. Sure, sure.
0: All right, let's move on. Um I think we have uh, essentially reached the conclusion that um both of these coaches are really good. Uh, and um, you prefer your guy, and I prefer Bud, and um, that's about where I thought we would end up. Uh, I didn't think it would take us 45 minutes to end up there, but it did. And so we definitely need to move on, even though we could probably go another 45 minutes on this topic. Um, all right, let's get into the Sloan Analytics Conference. Uh, we touched on this last episode a couple of days ago, um, but we weren't able to really delve into it. Um, I, I pitched my uh, mid-season tournament slash shortening the season idea uh, to Joel and Juwan um, at the tail end of the, sh- the show. Uh, we weren't really able to go into it, and we don't really have time to go into it again uh, because of how long we ran on this uh, first topic. Um, but just in general, um, I want to talk about a couple things. Uh, you know simmons asked silver about one of which being the midseason tournament um and and that was that came out of uh bill simmons asking about shortening the season to 70 games um simply put my notion was if you shorten the season down to 72 games you can play 58 regular season games uh against so every team plays every team once um or or twice rather one home one away Uh, You get a 14-game round-robin in the middle of the season, uh, and then, you know, that tournament can be whatever it is, uh, you know, whatever you want it to stand for. But I think um, something that would be nice from it is to, you know, guarantee that you get the, you know, the um, home court advantage. I think that would be something that you could, you know, make the teams actually play for. Uh, and that would end up being like a 72 game season. Um, what do you think about like a mid season tournament in general and just like shortening the season? Um, are you in favor of, of those kind of ideas? Um, or do you think like maybe that, that's good for soccer, but maybe not for the NBA? Oh, no, I mean, it's really interesting.
1: I mean, uh, I don't really hate it. I mean I, I like the fact that being yeah, the season is a little long. I mean, there are some games where I mean you're kinda not even interested. You could be like out for a week where you just like look at your team schedule and you're just like, Well, <laughs> I just checked out for a good four games right now and I'll come back in a right. second. So So yeah. I, I understand the whole shortening. I mean the mid season thing interests me. Um the only reason I'm gonna like really quick um just back like shut down your mid like, getting home-court advantage. If you do it mid-season, that's exactly why baseball at the All-Star game with such is like, you can't do that, too. Like, even though that's All-Star consequence. It's, like, yeah. it's, like, it's, like it's like you could play really hard right there at that point in time and then rest down the stretch being like, well, I already got home-court advantage, so why play my guys? True. And like, why go back-to-backs and all that stuff? So, but I can see, like, true. some other cool instances, like, if you were to – um, add more teams or here here's how you go feel like cause you got to think if you're in the mid season tournament you're going to be probably at ending the playoff team so we'll just put like your pick's going to be bad so what if it, instead your pick slid to the the number like you got the the 14th or the last pick in the lottery like you jumped into the lottery somehow or you got money off the luxury so like it's going to it's going to help work against for this one season. I thought about that as well the mid-season, yeah it's going to help work against your luxury. So now you can go out possibly and make that trade that you haven't done yet. And you couldn't have been able to manipulate. be like, but now we could get this extra 5 million that could work against this, like a trade bonus. Like, you know, I mean, not trade, but, Uh, where well, they have a um, trade uh, exception. Uh, when team gets yeah. Them. Trade exception. Yeah. Yeah. Trade exception. So just kind of be like that. So you could I, I find it interesting. I mean, I definitely, I mean, if they can incorporate it right now, I don't see it working in the next decade, but I mean, the way, you know, right. um society's going and, like, you know, and like our age group of kids and then the, the next generation under us, I mean, it's definitely changing the way that we view things and all that. So to catch our interest, I could see a mid-tournament being kind of cool. I mean, if you could incorporate something like that, I mean, just – if you look at it, I mean the bottom teams, yeah, they're gonna go in there and they can get fun. It's gonna be extra money and all that, so that's what they can look at. It's a, a different T V deal, you could sell it to a different network and all that, so we're gonna get that money for the bottom teams, but actually the teams that'll probably be competing later on in the year could be an incentive like that. So I find it interesting if they can make it work, but don't try to rush it.
0: Yeah. No, I mean I I, I totally agree with you. I I think it should be I I think there's so many things that should be um on interim basis, um or bases, maybe. Is that the way you would say that? I'm not sure. Um and I'm ashamed that I'm not sure. Uh but uh yeah, no, I think you you have to yeah, you I mean you have to be cautious. You you don't do anything like uh, you know, throw caution in the wind, what have you. Um, that's bitten him in the ass a couple times. And, and actually, most recently, uh, and we'll get to it with this this, this draft reform. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I I like the idea of a midseason tournament. It's just got to mean something cool. Like, you can't, like, and that's and, and the thing. In the interview, essentially, like, Bill Simmons, that was his first reaction to when Adam Silver brought it up. He was like, "Okay, so what does that mean? Like you get like a, a a better draft pick or whatever?" And Adam Silver was like, "No, no. Like it's just it, it you you just you win the mid-season tournament. Like it is what it is. Like it it, it it's, it's something on its own. And it's like it you can't implement that and just have it be like something on its own. It doesn't work like that. Like you can't do it that way. Um it's got to mean something in the interim. You can't have it mean too much, um, but you can't have it, you know, not mean enough. Um, so it's just finding out what it means. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think, uh, I think it's a, a, a good idea. I think it's something they should um, definitely uh, play around with. I think it's something that they should implement uh, on an interim basis. And not uh, anything permanent when they decide to actually implement it, um, because uh, as we've seen most recently with the All Star Game, uh, the whole um, having uh, you know the top players draft picks uh, it ended up working out great for the first season, not so much this past season. Adam Silver even commented on that in the interview. Uh, so yeah, let's let's just. Um, Play it by ear, but you know, be cautious. Uh, All right. They also talked talked about expansion. Um, They said um, essentially, uh, you know, uh, Bill asked him uh, about when a team was going to be in Seattle. He said he didn't know, uh, and and he asked him furthermore about expansion. Um, He basically just said it's not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, Bill was like, hey. Let me say, two point five million dollars, uh, and I won't take any revenue uh, from the TV deals for five years. And Adam Silver just kind of playing plank was like, "That's not enough." Um, with that being said, do you see expansion happening anytime soon, Luke? Like, and by anytime soon, I mean in the next decade. Do you see expansion? Because, like, to me, I was like, expansion, like, it's not going to happen in the next like two or three years, but four, five, six, seven years. Now I'm like I don't I don't know if it's going to happen in the next twenty years, honestly. Um, where do you sit on uh, this topic? Do you do you think do you think there's a way that they could make it worth the other team owners wild, or do you think it's just it, there's no way?
1: No, I mean. Um... The next decade, yeah, I could see it definitely be an expansion. Here's what I'm going to say. It'll probably be, like, eight years, maybe even, like, the 10, like, maybe, like, the seven- or eight-year mark. But it's going to, like, basketball's growing so worldwide right now and all that, and you're just getting better and better talent. And if you can incorporate this 18 league, if you can figure out what you're doing with the G League and really get, like, a good G League system, and then, you know, when they're going to hopefully do all these double-A changes, so now you're going to have, like, different – Types of recruiting, you know, have the guys are going to be more pop- like, like polished coming out of college, right now, and then you'll have to, like the young like. So, oh, I I just think in due time there will be. I mean, hopefully for the other owners, it's that there's more talent out there, and you know that you're not going to have to sacrifice that much, and hopefully you know they can add more like draft and like maybe the money deals are going to get like a little bit better too. So maybe giving them a sentiment like, you know, they're not going to take the five-year revenue for the TV, you know, maybe give it back to some of the, like, you know, the ownerships and all that. So you could maybe figure out if they if they really want to be stoned. But I don't see expansion as a bad thing for owners and all that. I mean, look at hockey. I mean, they're doing it. I mean, soccer's done it. It worked very well in Atlanta. I mean, if you throw Seattle back in the mix, I mean, that's
0: basically it's a, like It's going to make a with, lot of money. With
1: Atlanta – it's gonna be Atlanta United for Seattle. I mean, it's gonna make a lot of money. Right. It Just makes sense. It's like yeah. it's cities that just make sense. So it's like, but Seattle's an already established, like kind of sports sense. So you gotta like look exactly. beyond that. But there's like you could go back to a bunch of like, like because what I'm saying like with internationalists, you could go back to like, Mexico City is a hard one to get into right now. So like, but you could pay mm-hmm. to possibly go back to Vancouver and be like, yeah, Vancouver. Do you want to become a Grizzlies and be the second team in? Canada, I mean, basketball is pretty big right now. Look at how good Toronto is for you guys. Why don't you not be like the team in the north and like start this rivalry? And bring back like you know Vancouver Grizzlies and all that. So there's there's ways, and then there's other teams that like we've said, like St. Louis. You know, you can look at um, Kansas City, um, New Mexico, somewhere. Yeah, Louisville. So so there's there's but I don't see it happening soon, just because. I don't see any of the owners wanting to sell their team and move their teams, even like New Orleans disaster right now. She's still very young and in ownership and all that. And I know, highly doubt she just wants to just sell it right now. And the way the basketball is right now, like a lot of teams are worth a lot of money. So it's not like they're losing any value. Even if New Orleans is a train wreck of an organization, Yeah, it's still holding its value. So I just don't think there's an incentive to like move in the next, even five years, but I could see seven or eight years, here we come, we're gonna come back just because the way that the eighteen will they'll finally figure it out kids coming out of high school, now you're getting more like better kids coming out of college and all that. So it's just like the crop like the talent's just a lot better and it's a bigger pool. And maybe yeah. add, like a more another draft, like a third round in the draft, giving kids more opportunities, really like your G League system's really good. So that's why I could see it happening in eight years
0: yeah I mean i I'll say this. I think it's more likely that a current team relocates to Seattle than Seattle is the next expansion team um, Just based off of silver's comments, based off of everything that I've studied and heard about this um i I just think that is more probable um than Seattle becoming an expansion team. And if that happens, then it's like, well, okay, well, where's our next market that we really need to capitalize on? It's not there. I mean, maybe you could argue Vegas um, but or St. Louis or Kansas City or any of those, but the, the Seattle is the market, and it's if, if one of those existing teams, whether it be Memphis or New Orleans. Or even Phoenix, though I doubt Phoenix uh, would do it. They got their uh, their deal now for their uh, uh, new arena, Um, but one of those two teams, uh, you know, end up doing that. Um, I I think I I don't see it happening. I I don't see it happening in the next maybe decade plus, Um, which is sad because 32 is just a much easier number to. To, to to pontificate on all sorts of different other things. Uh, but, it, you know, it is what it is. I, I just don't think we're going to see it. I think 30 is going to be the number for a long time. Um, I'd much rather have 32, or 28 for that matter, um, just because both of those are easier numbers to work with uh, as far as um, restructuring various other things throughout the league. Uh, but... You know, 30 is the number we got, and that's, I think, going to be the number we keep for quite some time. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, all right, uh, player mental health. Um, that's another thing that uh, Adam Silver uh, talked about with with Simmons. Um, basically, you know, I mean, he talked about how players just aren't happy and how it's not um, – he doesn't necessarily think it's a league thing. It's more just like a, a young person thing. Um, you know, with the rise of social media and all of this, um, people are more disconnected than ever. Um, and I I do, I don't feel that. Um, I think I'm, I guess maybe I'm just kind of an old soul. Um, like, I, I mean, I have Facebook um, and that's it. Like I don't have a Twitter account. I don't have an Instagram. Like I don't. Like I'm not heavy into social media. Um, like I got a Facebook and I like check it, you know, daily and what have you. Um, but uh, I do think it's interesting because I do think he has like some solid ground to stand on here. Um, like as far as players, a being. Uh, so heavily connected to so many people via social media. I mean, we saw it with, like, Katie's burner accounts and all that jazz. Uh, But, like, uh, not only that, but, like, just being disconnected from their teammates. Um, And I think we're seeing more and more of that, uh, especially uh, through adversity, like, you know, like you used to have these teams when when they had adversity, they would like like fight almost like they they would argue and they would they scrap. And now you're just having people being quiet, not talking to each other. And like it's like you, if you if you don't have interaction, you can't like like work through it. Um, even if it's like bad interaction, even if it's even if it's confrontation, at least you're communicating and, and, and trying to work through it. Um, I think he brings up a good point here uh that like the that this generation's disconnectedness from society um and and from problems and not wanting to address them uh it 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 does have some standing as to how these locker rooms are playing out nowadays and i I think it is something that um, both coaches and GMs, uh, and he as commissioner, um, have to uh, be aware of in order to, uh, you know, best fulfill their positions. Um, and you know, I I I think it's an actual issue. I mean, we saw Demar Derozan come out um, and 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 talk about how he uh, had been affected by it. We saw. Um, uh, Kevin Love come out and talk about how he had been affected uh, by it, you know, mental health. Um, so, uh, what are your thoughts just in general on, uh, uh, you know, the the mental health for NBA players uh, in in this generation? And what are your thoughts on, you know, Adam Silver, you know, basically saying like this is a, probably I won't say priority number one for him, but a high priority for him, as far as uh you know what he feels like his job is uh as it pertains to the players uh in his league no
1: i mean it's a it's a very interesting topic I mean you gotta look at it as like it's it's something that no generation's ever gone through I mean, you just have so much like the lights on you just from day one and all that. And it's just, like, you just – it's hard for, I mean, like like you're saying. I mean, I'm the same way, too. I'm not that big on social media, so I don't really, like, let it get to me. But, I mean, still a lot of people our age and definitely, like, younger are, like, that's what they are. There's, it's social media, number one. It's just, like, you can't do anything anymore. Like, you were talking about, like, <clears throat> back in the team, it, teams at risk. Like, you know, they fought and all that. If you were to fight right now, it gets blown up, and it's it's a story for, like, three weeks and it's like really thrown in your face and all that. So no one like, especially really good players. You don't want that publicity. I mean, you got to look at, um, what's his face? That's, um, uh, uh, yeah, that's, um, who just got traded to the bucks. Um, got punched in the face by Bobby Porce last year. I mean, you didn't really hear about it, but I mean, that comes out and you're kind of like, Whoa, I mean, are they like really good, like players right now? Like what's going on in the locker room? So, I mean, it, it being a superstar if you already have like the pedigree on you like like even they're just not even big names if you do anything so it's just like it's really hard to no generations had to deal with it I mean you're looking at like like Barkley and a lot of them have just like you know they just they don't understand it and all that it's just different times I mean you didn't have social media you didn't even have internet back then you're allowed to do a lot more I mean so there's no phones and all that so yeah and planes and all that you're going to get to know each other and all So just different to like really – so I think it's for right now, it's see of like how – like you're saying, he didn't say it was his number one priority, but it should be because they're going to have to figure it out soon enough. And it's something that you can't control the media, but the media has a lot to do with it. And you can obviously see what the media has done this year, and they should figure out that. But, I mean, you can't stop what the media is going to ask. So it's just – they're going to have to figure it out, but that I feel like that's going to be something like the extension. It's going to be a while from now. I mean, you're going to run into this, but you're going to have the superstars that were. It doesn't really affect them. I mean, look at Giannis. Look at Joel. I mean, you have the superstars that you can clearly see where it has its disconnect, and then you have the superstars that don't. So it's just something hard, but, I mean, it is, like, it is an issue, and, like, that's why I don't understand, like, like older generations always getting down on, like, the younger ones and, like, trying to, like, compare. It's just, like, You're comparing, like, apples to oranges. The generational gaps are, like, tremendous in, like, technology and, like, infrastructure and how information got away. I mean, you look at it. Back in the day, Dominic Wilkins, that man is like a Hawk legend and all that. He was able to own his own nightclub. He owned a nightclub and partied at it. He was able to do that. You think a guy can own a nightclub and go to that every no. night? You know what you look like? You know, you look like a womanizer. What are you doing? What kind of family man are you? Like, you have so much, but that's why, like, you can't compare generation like the older generation because they don't understand it right now. They don't understand how these guys are going through it. And it's, like, right. it's peak, like, stages of, like, this is social media at its highest. I mean, it could get higher where we're going in, like, society and, like, but right now, I mean, it's at its peak right now. And, and these superstars mm-hmm. are in it and media on top of it. And it's just like everything just kind of doesn't work with them. But, like, at the same time, it's like, you know, it's kind of cliche that, like, everyone's, like, ragging on KD and Kyrie and all that. They're finally taking it to the media. But it's just like they just want to play basketball. Like, that's it. They just want to play a game that they really enjoy and somehow – it's they're not enjoying it, and it's not because of basketball and their gameplay. It's because everything that entitles with it right now, and I mean, it's yeah. gonna take them time and all that. But I like that players like, like like Demar came out, Kevin Love. They are bigger names, so that's gonna get the the smaller guys, the role players, to come out and say, you know, I do have an issue. And then finally, you'll, you know, you'll see like a lot of the superstars being like, you know, it is tough, dude. But I mean, it's just. I don't understand sometimes why <clears throat> they're just getting such big ridicule right now by like other generations and all that. It's just like you guys would not be able to sweat this right now. Michael Jordan, you're a great player, but you, with your gambling problems and what you did in like those stories that I've read and like heard of like how you could be able to like go out all night and gamble, you would not be able to do that. If you were seen after a game no. at a at, at a Vegas, like how, first of all, how would you get to Vegas was, like even if you played, but if like you went to Vegas and you're at a casino all night, you're instantly on everyone's that like you're on everyone's right. social media and that's just not on one different form. You're on probably five different because like like said, say, me and you aren't into big social media but like you named three different things that you're not about, like Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. So you just went live, Facebook has a live, so you just went live on everyone's. It's like what is he doing right here? Mm-hmm. After a game. Game two of the right. finals is tomorrow. What is he thinking? blah, 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 right. like, even when, even, like, last year, like, we will never know what Derrick Rose went through and all that, but, like, when he just left the Knicks, like, you know, just, just left right. but, like, did something happen with this family? Just, but like, <clears throat> something as little like that, and in the end, the bull, like the, the organization understood it, but it was just, like, you can't even do stuff like that, so that's, like, that's what I don't understand, like, like a lot of the the older people just, like, it's. I don't know. You shouldn't step in this, and this is something that the NBA should be looking at as one of their main things moving forward. I mean, because right now you got viewership and all that. You wanna you wanna save your product, and that's your superstars, and that's your players like health and mentality.
0: Yeah, and like you know, for for a guy like Barkley to come out and um, sort of chastise what um, you know what uh, you know Silver was saying, I get it. I get it from Barkley's point. Point of view, and I love the fact that Barkley like came out and just said it because that's what he actually thinks, and that's great. Like, you know, we need people to say what they actually think, and not you know, be worried about what the consequences will be and what have you. Um, and he's able to to you know dole out his um, unconventional opinions in a way that you know doesn't um, seem too offensive. Um, so to his credit, like that's great. Um, and I love Charles Barkley. I really do. Uh, he's probably one of my favorite um um I I wouldn't even necessarily call him a an analyst. Um he's just a guy who's on there who offers his opinion. Um but like uh like I ultimately no, I agree with you. These these old school guys don't know what these younger guys are going through. They have no um they, they they have no frame of reference. They're like a child who wanders into the middle of a movie. Like it it doesn't add up to them. So you know, with that being said, you know, can you can you expect um that anybody in that certain age range is going to get it? No, they're not, but it's great that Adam Silver does. Um, and that he, you know, expressed that he is kind of a high anxiety person. Um, so, you know, he's able to relate to them on, on several levels. Um, as far as, you know, losing sleep over certain things and what have you. Um, I, I, I really applaud, uh, just Adam Silver in general. Um, for uh doing that uh interview with with Bill Simmons and everything that came out of it um hopefully we we get an opportunity to really break it down i I feel like it would take six hours to really go frame by frame every everything that was talked about and like really um get into it um so yeah, I will say this uh watching it the second time cuz I did go back and watch it today. Um he did say uh <laughs> that um uh these these players that are drafted um because of the rookie scale contract uh you know now we're seeing players, you know, uh that are drafted by these teams and you know they they uh are, they do what they're told. <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh, that's probably not the best way to phrase that, Adam um but uh I knew what he meant. Um so I, I, I feel like that's probably why people aren't chastising him for it. because, uh, I mean we all knew what he meant. That they, they uh nowadays uh players holding out from the teams that are drafted from is, is very few and far between because of the rookie scale deal. Um and uh, you know, he's got a lot to do with that. Um, but anyway, uh let's let's move on to our very final topic. Um, you know, before uh we uh end this show. We had several more topics uh yeah you know, in line, but of course our uh Eastern Conference coach uh uh thing ran very long, but we'll get into this final one. I wanna talk about this, Luke. Tanking. Um, because one of the things that Adam Silver talked about in this uh, conference was the unintended consequences of various decisions that maybe he's made or he's seen other GMs make or what have you. And and one of the things that came up was uh, the Supermax rule and how that kind of has backfired and um, the unintended consequences of that rule. Um, well, I think – Maybe he hasn't learned from uh some of the unintended consequences. And you know what's funny is Bill Simmons, uh, both in his podcast with Ryan Russillo recently, which I again, if 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 you don't subscribe to the Bill Simmons podcast or the Ringer in general, like go subscribe right now to the Bill Simmons podcast and the Ringer NBA show because 'cause they're fucking fantastic. This is my by far my favorite Uh, NBA content to listen to Um, but uh, you know he he brought up kind of you know the fact that um, he didn't bring that he didn't want to bring up uh, in the conversation uh, tanking he he basically said like hey I don't want to talk about tanking you've talked about it you know a million times I don't know how you stop it blah 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 which is fine I get that but here's the thing I think changing the, the draft odds has increased tanking. Um, and this is, you know, my theory on this. Um, you're seeing Dallas tank like crazy right now. Um, like, they are 2-8 over the last 10 games. They currently are tied for the 7th worst record in the league. They were like 11th or 12th coming out of the all-star break. And sure, you could say, hey, they traded away, you know, DeAndre Jordan uh, and Wesley Matthews, um, you know, and and Kristaps, and you know, they got him back, but he's not playing. Well, yeah, fine. Kem Hardaway Jr. is better than Wesley Matthews. Um, uh, Courtney Lee as a backup is still better than Wesley Matthews. Uh, They're starting Dirk Nowitzki, uh, which is just an obvious tank move because we all know Dirk at this point is fucking washed. Um, So that's, like, another, like, clear fucking tank move. They're not playing Trey Burke at all, even though the last time they played him 20-plus minutes was against the Utah Jazz back on February 23rd. He was 8 of 15, 1 of 3 from 3. He had 7 rebounds, 3 assists and had 20 points. Um, They played him since then, since that game, when he had 23 minutes and was 8 of 15 with 20 points. They played him six minutes the next game, zero minutes the next game, 15, 10, and zero. They're obviously fucking tanking. Um, So, like, we're seeing, like, this kind of... This system backfire in that teams who would not have previously tanked because their odds, you know, moving up from, say, 10 to 7 uh, didn't increase your odds enough for you to, like, to warrant you tanking. Now it does. Um, So, again, we're seeing, like, a different style of tanking, whereas the teams that are 1 through 5 right now and are kind of comfortably sitting at 1 through five they're all fucking out there playing. We saw Phoenix beat LA the other night. We I mean, the, the Hawks have been competing like consistently against teams. Uh, you know, before the the playoff break, they beat uh LA and then they, they beat a couple subsequent teams since then. Um what are your thoughts on uh this how draft reform has kind of not solved tanking, but you know, seemingly, um, like, made it, if not worse, at the very least, made it so that, you know, these teams that are um, now in a more um, profitable position uh, back from the bottom five, uh, you know, saying, hey, well, fuck it, we'll tank. And uh, let me posit this real quick, Um, the Lakers, uh, you know, there's people out there, um, and, and t- t- plenty of people in the media saying, "Fuck, dude, the Lakers should tank," um, and like I don't think they have, um, and I don't think they will. Um, but there are plenty of people saying they should because of what it could mean for you know their their draft assets in, in the off season. Um, that's not a conversation that would be happening in the old um, uh, uh, you know, uh, draft uh, lottery odds. Um, so what do you think about all of this and the unintended consequences of changing the lottery rules? No, I mean, um,
1: uh, it's it's really early. It's, it's hard to tell with this year. I mean, I understand what you're saying with Dallas. I mean, Dallas is clearly – tanking for a reason i mean them in phoenix i mean phoenix was another one but that phoenix has been doing it all year and they've been doing it for multiple years so it's just kind of like the phoenix system right now but dallas like you said it's clearly what they're doing but i mean it can really work out for you what um what what i like is the whole like if you're the bottom five teams i mean in due time it's gonna ease out where like this draft isn't as stacked as previous drafts so now you have teams fighting to be a top five team not just because Dallas doesn't want to give you your pick it's good that it, even if they were to have it it's not that heavy of a draft I mean if you were to see some teams trying to slow down it's the draft's kind of like top heavy and then it like trickles out but so I think in a couple of years especially when the, the age like whenever the age changes it'll like it'll even out because now you're going to have teams taking more high-risk maneuvers and all that, taking the kid out of high school um, and then waiting for a guy in college that could be a little bit – his game's a little bit, you know, like more enhanced and, like, you know, and all that. So I think right now, yes, I understand what you're saying, that it's kind of backfiring. But, I mean, even if they still had the last year's rule, I mean, Dallas is still going to tank. I mean, they're still going to get some good ping-pong ball odds and all that. What this just helped out is, like, stupid crazy jumps I think like when Cleveland was able to jump like eight spots and get the one spot it was just like yo, whoa where did that just and like we have that where now it's just like if you're the worst team you're not going lower than five so it's not like it's drastically gonna hurt you or somehow you can flip flop and now you became like the eighth like the eighth pick and you're just like yo so I think it helps like in, in in, like, a couple of years where you won't really be noticed the tanking and all that, and when, like, like as, like, talent gets better and all that. So, but right now it's just, it's obvious, but, I mean, you should, even with the old set of rules, I think you'd still have the field. same teams figuring out towards the end of the year, hey, we're terrible and all that. And I've heard the whole Lakers thing, like, they should try to jump New Orleans because they'd be the ninth place team, but the only best thing that gets is, like, a 4% chance of possibly getting the fourth pick. I mean, okay, if you really want to, like, fight... No, you it's know, much possibly.
0: higher than that. As,
1: gonna, as far, far as getting so a bad, top four pick, it's
0: way higher. Like they if, they, so if bad, they, they're
1: not hopping a lot of
0: teams, though. So it's like they're going right. to still have a lot No, they're face. not. I have they're a not, odd thing teams in like front of me. Drop, if they drop to the ninth, I think ninth worst record overall has a 17% chance of getting a top four pick, which is like, or, or maybe 20. Um, so I was like, it's, 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 those are, those no, are it's the four percent of chance.
1: No, it's a 4% <laughs> chance all the way. So it's four to five. So you got a 4% chance. No, no, of no. no. At it. no it's right four,
0: wait, 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 it's not a 4% chance to get one of the top four picks. It's a 4% chance to get the number one pick. That's a big difference. Like the, the, like yeah, and then the, the
1: five, so you you only have a 5% chance of getting, like, basically in the top four. So it's not really that high. So it's, like,
0: not, you still have it's all the, higher than that. The I don't have it in below front of me, yet. But it's higher than that. I have
1: it right in front of me. I have it right in front of me. So New Orleans has a 5.7% chance of getting the fourth overall pick. So Lakers, I mean. Of
0: getting really, the fourth overall pick, but, like, not yeah, getting in the top that's four. That's getting into
1: the top four. I mean, if you get the fourth overall pick, so, so, I mean,
0: but I'm trying to say. No, that's not the same not thing. It's not that high. You're getting one. That's, that's that's their chance of getting that one pick, though. It's it's higher than that as far as them getting any one of the top four picks. Well, then it goes to a
1: 4.5 to get the first. But what. But, okay, we're, we're getting our lines crossed right like, here. But what yeah, I'm trying to, to say to is. All for of, the later rounds, it up, doesn't really thing. matter. You're not going to have the. Crazy jumps anymore. You're not going to have, for instance, a New Orleans jumping up over the Bulls and all that because the no, Bulls have better odds
0: of that, though. For no, 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 you don't.
1: I'm looking at it. You're yes, going to you take do. On. Trust me. You look at take
0: a thought. right now. The Knicks, uh, uh, like you, the, the worst you, they can get is that's what draft reform did. What? Uh, uh, what are you arguing right now? You have a better if you're the the, the seventh worst team right now that as opposed to last year, you have a better odds, you have way better odds jumping up into uh, getting the number one pick or the number two pick or the three pick or the four pick than you did last year. That's what draft reform was.
1: No, but, okay, I okay, I understand that. But what I'm trying to say is, like, for instance, the Bulls, oh, no, not the Bulls, so the Suns, the worst that they can go is to a sixth-round pick. That's not that bad. Right. But what if you're saying, like, Back in the old days, you could have, a, like, an Orlando, the number 10 team, somehow did this crazy thing where their ping-pong ball fell, and yeah, now but, you just went yeah, from the Suns going still, way out there, but, and they just fell so they, bad, so it hurts the the teams that, like, that. yeah, that, some teams take, and, you know, you're like, haha you got what you deserve. But some teams are actually, like, really bad, and you're like, yo, what the, they just got screwed over big time, and now – like, the Magic, like, the old ones didn't were, work either.
0: Those were anomalies, man. Those were, like, 1.3% chances. Like, now they have, like, a 4.3% chance. So, like, those anomalies should, you know, theoretically happen even more now. And, and that's why teams that are, you know, these, these kind of teams that know they're not going to make the playoffs that are in, like, that 10-11 uh, range, like Dallas. Are, are deciding hey fuck it Let, let's just fucking tank especially Dallas because you know obviously they have the most incentive to cuz their pick is top 5 protected um you know you know i think you're going to have other teams that do that in the future and like it, it just it just reinvents tanking um it it doesn't solve it at all um and i'm not saying like it, it, it's going to be really hard to solve it i'm just saying that like they like it, it, you, we're not solving the problem. We're only, like, expanding the problem uh, by having even more teams have incentive to tank at the end of the season.
1: No, and I get that. I mean, and but, what, like, they were never going to get away from tanking. I don't think there's any way possible that you could pick tanking and all that. I mean, you see it in, in sports. I mean, football just basically just is like, dude, do it. They, football just came to the point where it's like you know if you tank you're the worst place team. you're the like at least they didn't have some like crazy like lottery thing. The football just kind of like committed to like you know tanking's one. So at least the NBA's tried to combat like tanking, but you're never gonna get it like in professional sports, especially. I mean, dude. I mean, if you're running an organization, Nick, and you mean to tell me, either a you were you were in the playoff run and your best player just got hurt. And so just like oh well like it's like say for pace, like Pacers for instance that they're way lower like and you can just kind of like you know kind of half ass it. you wouldn't do that to help your organization at that or sure. that, or even if like even if you're like Dallas right now where you're just like well shit I need to get my pick back because it's a top five and you know we're already kind of terrible so might as well kind of see so I don't think you're ever gonna get rid of Ticket, but at least the NBA's try to figure out this thing where it's just like hey you can take but it's not going to necessarily help you where you're the 76ers and you're really miserably bad for 4 years in a row so you
0: got like a really good pick all the time and all that with the whole new Yeah. Form. Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean it's a, it's an ongoing problem. It's going to take a lot to solve it. Uh but we're going to we're going to end it there. Uh Luke as always, man. Thanks for joining me. Uh, We're going to uh, have a very special episode of Geeks Against the Grain tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. I'm going to vehemently defend Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi, against some haters uh, who are going to come on and try to tell me how it's the worst movie ever. Um, So be sure to join us for that, and we will have Geek 5 live Sunday at 8 o'clock, so be sure to check that out. Uh, But until then, peace.